We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning. You're waiting on me. How about that? No, I've just disguised it well in the past. Now I've been busted now. Everybody knows. <laughs> there is a good spirit here this morning. There's a sweet, not that it's, but there's a sweet, yes. Yeah. There is a. Sure. It's incredible when when God called us to do something and we actually Yeah. Yeah. Not that, Lord. Wow. 
Yeah. Awesome. Once you ever start doing it, though, it becomes habitual. You, you, you start really looking for opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we're called to do. It's exactly what we're called to do. We're, the, <coughs> Brian and I were talking this morning. The church feels so much like they're called to do so much stuff, and it's because the preachers, the pastors are telling them that. When we're just called to talk Jesus Christ to people, that's what we're called to do. So, Mark chapter 10. While you're turning to Mark chapter 10, this, this week, uh, Jason asked me about 10 minutes ago, he said, man, are you hyped up today? And I said, well, this, and I didn't tell him why. I said, but this, this week, every night, I have had battle dreams. I have had fight dreams. I've had s- some very gruesome fight dreams, some really... and. Uh, I realized this morning when I was in here praying by myself, I was just, you know, talking to God, and I realized God just brought it to me. Is listen, you've gone through a week of, of battles, and it dawned on me what he was talking about, this, my, my dreams. And just for you to understand, I'm the one that fights your battles. I'm the one that fights your battles. So you, you know, because you know how you have those dreams, and you, can, you constantly go, why didn't I do this, or why did that happen? Or God just reminded us, listen. He, he's fighting these battles. Our, our battles are not flesh and blood. They're in that realm there, and he's fighting them for us. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46, very familiar story. And they went to Jericho, and as he went out of uh, Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he, boy, would you sit by, a high, well, that's a different highway then, I guess. I don't think. People, they'll sit by the uh, feeder road today, but I don't see anybody on the highways out here. Uh, And and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And, And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I want to talk to you today about taking your coat off. Taking your coat off. So I'm going to ask you a question first. What's the difference between a fiddle and a violin? Besides the price... They play differently, a fiddle and a violin. Say again. You can play it either way, okay? Actually, a fiddle and a violin are the same instrument. Right, yeah, and so you're both right. Uh, Both of them use a bow. Both of them have strings. What's the difference? The difference is if you play Mozart, number five, or a classical, it's a violin. If you play boil the cabbage down, it's, y'all, don't, y'all don't know what that is. I, I grew up in a family of bluegrass people. It's a bluegrass number and it's a fiddle. The way you play the instrument determines if it's a violin or a fiddle. Psalm 23 and 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
What's the difference between a rod and a staff? They're similar wood. They're both instruments used by the shepherd. What's the difference between a rod and a staff? How they're used. The rod is used for correction. It's to keep the sheep in line. As a matter of fact, if there's sheep that ventures off too much, the shepherd will take that rod and break a sheep's foot. Break it right at the foot. Break it so that it limps and it won't run off. It's a corrective thing. The staff is for comfort, for safety. It's for if, if a sheep falls into a, a, a bush somewhere to, to reach in because it has the hook on it and bring it back closer to the shepherd. Uh, here's the thing. How a sheep behaves towards the shepherd, the sheep's actions and attitudes determines whether the shepherd uses the rod or the staff. It's how the sheep behaves. It's not how the shepherd determines. The shepherd doesn't ter- determine the use of the rod or staff. The sheep does. And in our life, we have to understand that. <clears throat> we as the sheep of God have to understand that it's not he that determines whether the rod or the staff is used. It's us. It's us. And so the Lord declares here that we should fear no evil. Listen, unlike what some people think, God doesn't abdicate his throne when the sun goes down. Now, some people think when the sun goes down, God's off the throne, and when the alarm goes off the next morning, God's on his throne because they're in their sleep. God's on the throne when you're in your sleep as much as he is when you're awake. Uh, He's God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. He's God year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennium after millennium. He's always God. Because he is the victor over sin, death, hell, and the grave, there's no evil that should beset us. There's no fear that should beset us. We let fear and evil beset us at times when if he's our God and he's the God 24-7 all the way through millennials and he never changes, we should have no fear. We shouldn't fear any evil. That's what the psalmist was saying. I will fear no evil. Why? Why would I fear no evil? Because you got a rod? No. Because you have a staff? No. Because No. Because thou art with me. God's with you. We need to quit fearing evil things. Some of us in the church and tabernacle of praise are fearing what's happening the next four years because we have a different president, a different political scheme, a different idea. You need to quit being afraid of that. Quit being afraid of it. You're afraid of this vaccine and you're afraid of that disease and you need to quit being afraid of that. Man, we get so fearful of things. Now, I'm not saying don't be wise. What I'm saying is don't be fearful. There's a difference between wisdom and fear. The problem is most people think they're being wise when they're just being fearful. I've got someone in my family that thinks they're being wise, but they're being fearful. They're fearful of what could happen. That's not wisdom. If you're worried about what could happen, you're going to live in a cave somewhere because anything can happen. So we have to use the wisdom of God and understand that God puts that wisdom into our life so that we don't fear anything because he's with us. In general American society today, a person that is blind, have you ever seen, have you ever seen someone walk around with a blind stick, the blind cane? Uh, if you'll notice, they all have this red and white stripe on them. Just, just look at them. You'll see it. It's an indication stripe. It's an indication stripe that if I'm, say, a block down and I'm walking, and I can't really tell because some bl- people that are blind, if you're not careful, you can't even tell they're blind. They become so adaptive to what they're doing in their life. They use that, but if you see that cane, that stick that has the red and the white on it, you know it's an indication I'm blind. Uh, in our reading today, Jesus, along with his disciples and this large group of people, have made their way through Jericho. 
And we know the story, blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sitting by the roadside begging. It's something he did every day. He'd been doing that because I get, I'm assuming he was blind all of his life. And so that's how, you know, even though it says he was the son of Timaeus, apparently Timaeus didn't take care of him because he's sitting by the roadside begging for his needs. In Jesus' day, the blind signal wasn't a cane with a little red and white stripe on it. In Jesus' day, blind people wore a coat or a cloak or a garment. And if you were walking through a city and you saw that garment, you could see it for half a mile off. You knew that was a blind person just by looking at the garment. It was a particular style of color and a particular style of, uh, of fabric that they used. And so a blind person wore this distinctive thing just to identify to the crowds. And, and, and it was both for the crowds uh, doing and for the blind person. The blind person wore it because it would signify, I need help. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road, on the side of the highway, and people coming by would see that from afar off, and they would know, you know, he needs help. I'm going to help him, or, you know, I'm going to walk to the other side of the road and go on by. You know, it was, it was an indicator. It was also good for him because it helped him in his needs. So apparently Bartimaeus was known throughout Jericho because he sat by the roadside begging for his needs all the time. You ever, you know, you ever notice you see the same people sitting in the same place? They find it. Why, why do they do that? It's one reason. It's a good spot. It works. There, there was a deal way, way, way back, Channel 13 News in Houston. There was a guy that was on 1960, which is a main thoroughfare off of 45 in, in, in north of Houston uh, and 45. And so he had a, you know, need help, got a family, need food. And people were giving him money left and right and all kinds of stuff left and right. And so the news team decided to follow him to see. And lo and behold, what they found out was he had a good spot. It was so good that when he got through the day that they were recording, they followed him behind, if you know the area, we're from that area, there are several little strip centers there, and there's little places between the strip centers, and he had a car parked there, and he walked back there and took his coat off and threw his sign in the back of his Mercedes and closed the deal and drove off. He had him a good spot. He didn't need help. He needed a car payment, I guess, but... What's the best way to help somebody that's on the side of the road that says, I need food, I need work, or I need money? Because here's the surprising thing in America. We, we either give them food, we either give them clothes, we give them money, but we don't give them Jesus. That's the first thing you need to offer them. A receptive, because Jesus offered himself to the receptive. There were people that weren't receptive to him. He didn't offer himself to the non-receptive. This is scripture. I, that, I know that sounds rude, but it's the truth. He offered himself to the receptive. And if a person's not receptive of Jesus, he's not receptive for anything else. It's, it, it's, it's, we think well, we're, we're filling their needs, but what are we doing? We're, we're, we're enabling them to continue. Listen, if you hook them up with Jesus, guess what Jesus is going to do? Jesus is going to give them a job. Going to give them a place to stay. Clothes, going to give them some gas in their car that they just got because they got their job. So we don't, we think differently because of the way our society is built. But, you know, the best thing to do is stop them off from Jesus. If they, if, if they, if they take that, then that'll, God, listen, God will lead you where to go from there. You don't have to worry. He's not going to mislead you. God, if you offer them God, he's, he's not going to mislead you. So to answer that question, a lot of times, you know, we drive by and we drop a, 
you know, a couple of dollars in there. And if you'll circle back around, you'll see either what Mercedes, and listen, that's their business, or you'll see what drug house they go to, or you'll see what we're enabling them to do things because we haven't offered them Jesus first. It's not that you don't help people, but you offer them Jesus first. And then watch what happens in their life. So, so blind people often remind, you know, they, they, they rep, uh, relied on the goodness of uh, other people to survive, uh, mainly because a blind person in that day was considered an outcast. In the day that Jesus walked the earth, the Jews thought that if you were rich or you were well off or you had, you know, stock and you had cattle and you had those stuff, that you were blessed of God. If you were blind, if, if you were lame, if you were sick or whatever, that you were cursed of God. And that's how they lived their lives. And so a blind person that day was somebody that the Jew considered to be cursed of God. And so those people, they couldn't even go into the temple. They couldn't even go to worship. They couldn't go offer alms. They couldn't do anything because they were outcasts. Uh, and so what we have to realize is, you know, in our society today, we see things a little differently. We see things a little differently. When you see a blind person, you, you, we called them disabled. They never called them disabled in Jesus' day. They called them cursed. So, 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 so the attitudes of people have changed through history, but the, the facts still remain the same. The blind man was blind and needed Jesus. So regardless of what in our society, the changes in our society, the bottom line is everybody that has a need, their immediate need is Jesus. Immediate need. So, you know, isn't it interesting that blind people, how their other senses really jump out because they're, they're blind, they can't see their other. I remember going to a, do you know who Ronnie Millsap is? Anybody? Ronnie Millsap. Uh, years and years ago, a friend of mine was going to A&M, and so we went to, uh, I went with him to a Ronnie Millsap concert at Texas A&M. Ronnie Millsap is a singer, piano player, he's blind. And so around the stage there in that little auditorium, they had a little rope that went around the stage, and it was like about two feet away from the edge. So he did; he could feel it as he would get up, and walk around, and talk. But he could feel it on his in, around his shin bone, and he would know not to walk any further. And so he has he has a little fun with it, and he gets up and he gets really close to that rope, and then he he says, "Oh, no, I got I, I got another three or four feet when he's only this far from the edge." And you people are like, "No, no," you know. And he laughs about it, and he has a good time. It's, but it's, it's funny how blind people, their sense of smell and hearing and taste, all that thing is accentuated because of their loss of, and, and so no doubt because Bartimaeus was blind, blind, he learned to hear things and, 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 and understand as we read the scripture, Jesus is with his disciples and there's a large crowd. You ever been around a large crowd and tried to just listen to the conversation of the person you're with, much less hear anybody else? Only if somebody's really loud or boisterous do you even hear the conversation. It's this roar. And so, you, you know, in this crowd, you're really just trying to communicate with one person. I understand that Bartimaeus, he wanted to communicate with everybody that came by. He had a need. So, you know, he was, became very aware in his hearing. Uh, on this day, as the crowd was, bu- you know, busying their way by, Bartimaeus hears that Jesus, it's Jesus that's passing by. So, it's no doubt because he was near to the road every day begging for his needs that he had heard of Jesus before because he understood who Jesus was. Jesus, thou son of David. He, there, was, there was some kind of encounter with someone else in his life that he had heard of Jesus, the son of David, because he calls that out to Jesus. There's no record that indicates that Jesus said, 
come to Jericho and met him at his house or had dinner with him or, you know, there's no indication of that. And understanding that most Jews didn't go through Jericho. Jer- Jericho, you remember Jericho in the old? Destroyed? Okay. Jer- you always read in Scripture, they went down to Jericho because of the location, but there's more significance to that. Jericho was a place of thieves and robbers. Uh, the road to Jericho was a road of thieves and robbers, and Jericho was a very, uh, what's the best way to put it? Americanized city? Just, just, I'll let you feast on that one. And so Jesus, it's unusual that Jesus would be going through Jericho and pass through, but there's crowds with him. And so as, as Jesus begins to come by, he, the guy cries out, you know, Jesus, the son of, of David, have mercy on me. So not only did he understand uh, that who Jesus was, that he was the son of David, but he understood that Jesus could do something for him. So there's been a word somewhere put in his ear, somewhere down the line, that Jesus could heal him. Jesus could help him. Jesus could work with him in his life. Somewhere down the line he had heard this because as Jesus was coming, he shouts it out. Now, in our language today, you know, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. In our language today, it would be like, hey, Jesus, it's my turn. It's my time. Do something for me. That's kind of what he's saying. So, you know, the people around him, we know the story. He said, be quiet. Keep it down. You know, this, this is Jesus walking through here. You know, kind of like some churches today. The Lord's here today. Let's keep it quiet. Let's keep it. Don't pray all at one time. You know, I remember I was taught in the church I grew up in. We, Because we, I asked the question. Hey, I was that guy. Out of, I was always asking the question. You know, why does only one person pray in church? And the answer was, well, so, you know, it doesn't muffle and God's not confused by several people praying. Well, then how do, how do the, you know, the billions of people in the world, do, do we have a prayer list and we all pray? You know, there's some foolishness in that, isn't there? But, but you know what? We, we don't say those things. But, but sometimes we act that way. Well, I'm not going to pray because everybody else is praying. Not that it'll confuse God, but it's going to confuse me. You know why people get confused and have a hard time praying when other people are praying out loud to you? You, you know why that happens? Because they're not praying, they're listening. They're not praying, they're listening. It would be real confusing right now if all of y'all were talking at the same time I was talking. But that's how a lot of us pray. We let one person pray and everybody else listens. You know, listening to a prayer is not you praying, right? Listening to someone pray is not you praying. Praying is a conversation you have with God. And if you're listening, you're eavesdropping. So now you're not only not praying, now you're eavesdropping. It gets worse. God intends for you to talk to him, and it doesn't matter how many of us are doing it at the same time. Bartimaeus understood this. There's a crowd around him. They're all, there's all this sound on him. Listen, you know, he's, I got to get his attention. Uh, he, Bartimaeus had the intention at this point of getting Jesus' attention. Sometimes you have to come to church with that same intention. Sometimes you got to come to church with the intention of getting God's attention. Not that God's not, not been around you that morning, not that he hadn't been with you when you woke up, but there's times just like, do you think Jesus knew that this guy was blind? Number one, Jesus was human. Number two, Jesus had eyes. Number three, he understood the coat the guy was wearing a half a mile off. Sure, Jesus knew he was blind way before he ever got to Bartimaeus. Jesus knew that guy was blind, but Jesus didn't go to that blind man. That blind man called for Jesus. See, there, there's things that we miss in Scripture. We have to understand that he knows our need, but there's a time when we got to get his attention. 
we've got to get his attention. You might have to cry out loud. And I know some people in this church that have never cried out loud. You've never cried out to the Lord. I'm saying, man, you must have a really extremely blessed life. God bless you. If, if, you, if you don't have anything that you need to cry out to the Lord for, God bless you. That's great. I'm not down in that. But you know what? There are times in our lives when we just need to cry out to God. Why is that? He can hear over the crowd. He doesn't. It's not for him. It's for us, and it's for the crowd. Listen, maybe don't, don't worry about who's around you. Sometimes you, you just cry out to the Lord and, and let he will answer you. He will answer you. He'll get people involved. Jesus got people involved. He didn't just walk up to the guy. He said, hey, you guys, go, go get him. Go get him. And the guy came and came to Jesus. So there's a whole, I need to move on. There's a whole story. Often in Scripture, you see that it takes a person putting an effort in to get a healing or a miracle. How many people in Scripture did Jesus walk up to and just perform a miracle? He did, but how many times do you see it? I'll give you one. There's a lady whose son passes away, and she's in a funeral position, and her son's in, in his clothing, and I guess if, if he's in a casket, in those times they didn't really do that. They just wrapped him and put him in, in like little caves. And so they're walking in this funeral position. Jesus sees it. He hears the woman crying. She didn't ask for help. The, the guy's passed away. He's dead, and none of the people carrying him asked for help. Jesus walks up and performs a miracle. So that does happen. But more often than not, what happens is when Jesus walks in the crowd, it's the people in the crowd that come to him that he affects. The, the lady that's, you know, had the issue of blood 38 years. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just, if I can just touch him. You know, Bartimaeus climbing in a tree. You know, there's a litany of, uh, of people in the Scripture. Uh, and, and that's generally the case. If you want God to do something in your life, ask him. Sometimes you have to really ask him. He couldn't quietly sit by the roadside anymore. He had done that for years. He had begged for years. Now he's hoping to just get a glimpse of Jesus, and he can't even see. What does that mean? Listen, it's not what you see. You don't get a glimpse of Jesus by what you see here. You get a glimpse of Jesus by the faith you have. You don't... You don't you know, these signs shall follow them that believe, not these shall follow the signs. You know, it's another problem in the Americanized church. We got churches full of people that are following signs. That's why they go there. Hey, come to this church. This guy has the power to heal, really. And a church will fill up, and people get healed, and then they're gone. It's a rotating door because it's not, we don't follow signs. We don't follow after signs. We have to understand something. We follow after faith. And it's going to be something, this is real simple, something very amazing in this story. So, so Jesus commanded that Bartimaeus, you know, come, and many times in our lives when we're crying out, we just, do you ever feel like if somebody would just walk with me to the altar? You ever felt that before? I have. I, I've been in, in, in a service before and felt this powerful God. God wanted to touch me. But as if somebody would just walk me, sometimes that's what it takes. You, you ever felt God tell you, hey, go ask that person if they'd like to go pray? No? Oh, boy, okay. I need to go to another lesson. God speaks to you every week about it. Yes, he does. There's various of us that need prayer in here. If God, let me, let me just say as pastor, let me, 
if God tells you to pray for me, you better answer him because I need it. I need it. I'm being very, if God tells you, you need to go pray for Pastor Don. I need the prayer. God's not doing that for fun, and he's trying, not trying to make a show for you. He's trying not to make you super spiritual. What he's trying to do is build faith in the house, and Don needs some. And so sometimes it, we need that. We just need somebody to go with us, don't we? Somebody to help us. Or we need to be the helper. So what does Bartimaeus do? Bartimaeus sends Jesus this faith signal. He sends Jesus a faith signal. You ever sent Jesus a faith signal? Often we respond to God after the fact. We respond to God after the fact. We'll, we'll worship Him only after He heals us. The, the ten lepers, only one came back to worship, but only after they were healed. None of them worshipped Him previous. Bartimaeus sends this faith signal. Have you ever told God that when you're praying, I, I know who you are and I know what you can do? Because that's what a faith signal is. Bartimaeus gets up and he sends this signal because he's telling Jesus, I know who you are and I know what you can do. Have you ever told God that? Have you ever prayed and you had a need? You had a, God, I know who you are and I know what you can do because that's what he's looking for is a faith signal, faith signal. So while the crowd may sit down and tell you to sit down and shut up, you know, you have to come to this point of change and have this faith signal. So what's the faith signal? It's verse 50. And he casting off his garment. The very thing that he relied on for everybody to understand who he was and what he was about, he threw it off. His signal was to Jesus was, I'm not blind anymore. I'm not blinded. That's what he's telling Jesus. I'm taking this blind coat off. I'm not. Jesus hadn't healed him yet, but he sent a faith signal. I'm not blind anymore. He got up and he went. Jesus came by the way of Jericho to bring change into this man's life, and Bartimaeus wasn't about to let that change get by him. And so he sends out. We have to learn something, church. We have to learn that God is looking sometimes just for a faith signal. God, I know who you are. I know what you can do. You ever came in here depressed? You ever came in here depressed? Pastor Don has. I hate that feeling because it's just a spirit. It's a spirit hanging on to you. It's not something about your emotion or your feeling. You understand your emotion, your feeling, your laughter, your, your choosing right and wrong. That's the spirit world, right? You know, you're okay with that? Okay. So when you're depressed, that's the spirit world. You ever come in here depressed? You know the best thing to tell God is, God, I'm depressed today, and would you just lift this depression? No, 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 because you're going to leave here with, God, I'm still depressed. The best thing to do is walk in here and get happy. Show Throw a faith signal out there. You might be depressed. It might be bad. Your situation might be really bad. But give throw, throw him a faith signal. Get happy. Worship. Even though it's bad, worship. Even though it's bad, love people. Don't, you know, do y'all, do y'all dodge that people like I do that? <laughs> I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to. If you come in here with this real big frown on your face, watch Pastor Don. He's going to dodge you. You know why? Don, Pastor Don loves it. I love you. But you know why I'm dodging you when you have a frown face? Because you're just going to spill your spirit of depression on me. And I am not here for that. Well, Pastor, you could come and just cast that off of me. Better yet, why don't you get happy and let Jesus take care of it? He can do a lot more for you than I can. Now, when I see you get happy, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come grab your hand and get happy with you. It's not that I don't love you, but I don't want that spirit on me. 
You know, as much as I, that's happened to me in the past, I hate that spirit. I hate that spirit. It's very demoralizing. It zaps your faith and your strength. It zaps your love and your joy. It does all that stuff. So, again, please don't come in and get happy. Get happy with Jesus. So Bartimaeus threw off the coat and, and that signified, I'm not blind anymore, even before Jesus even touched him. Maybe today is the day that you take off your blind coat. Maybe today is the day, the thing that's been, that's been wrapped around you, that you've signified to everybody. You know, I, I'm like you. I grew up in a church. I came, after I came into church, I was in a church where people's lives were wrapped around their problems or their illnesses, their sicknesses, and they wore them like a nice coat. And they dare not take it off because if they took it off, they wouldn't have a life. They didn't have anything else to talk about. They didn't have any good thing to talk about because all they had to talk about was their sickness or their problems or their issues. They didn't realize that if they ever just took those coats off and let Jesus get into the life, man, you couldn't shut them up. They'd have more to talk about than you could ever believe. You know how I know that? You know how I know that? Listen, sometimes we just need to take that whatever that coat is on us. We need to take it off. Have, have you ever felt inferior to people? They make me feel inferior. Nobody makes you feel inferior. You allow yourself to feel inferior. Nobody makes you. Now, I've been called everything under the book, and then some names you've never heard. I've had some guys call me names before. They made them up, but I knew what they meant. But I only became that if I allowed it. I only became that if I allowed it. You can say, you know what, I understand you've, you've got a feeling about things, and I understand, but listen, you, 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 can, you can't allow people to make you feel something about yourself. Because you, all, here's all you got to do. If somebody calls you blankety-blank-blank, blank-blank-blank-blank-blank-blank, you know how Jesus feels about me? I can say it, and I don't have to put blanks in there. I can really say it. You know, remind yourself of how Jesus feels about you. A lot of times we, you know, we let things come into our lives because we let other outside forces make us feel certain ways. You know what feelings are? They're the spirit world. I'm going to keep coming back to this. You understand what Bartimaeus did? He left the physical. When he took his coat off, he left the physical, and he walked into the spiritual. Jesus, I know who you are, and I know what you can do. So he walked out of the physical, and he walked right into the spiritual. You know, you find people like that in Scripture where Jesus was amazed. You, you ever wondered that if you could amaze God? Can you amaze Him? Yes, you can. He was amazed at the faith that this woman had that wasn't even of the household of faith. She was a Gentile. But I'm amazed at her. You can amaze God. You can amaze God simply by walking out of the flesh, taking that coat off. What coat are you carrying on? What coat are you wearing today? Some of us are wearing coats from the past, things that happened in the past, issues of the past, problems of the past. The greatest thing about living for God is Pastor Don has no past, only what happened yesterday. And I, I, I talked to him about that. That's the thing about if you talk to God about your issues when they happen, you have no past. You have no past. You only have good things. You have no bad past. Just talk to God when it happens. But a lot of us let things build up, and so we wear this coat of the past. You ever been hurt by a pastor? You ever been hurt by a pastor? Some of you don't want to. 
Raise your hand if you've been hurt by a pastor. You've been hurt by a song leader? Say, I'm going to let you all go. You ever been hurt by a song leader? You ever been hurt by somebody in the choir? You ever been hurt by a saint of God? You remember how harmful that hurt is? That's a thing of the past. And sometimes we come into another place where people love you, but you can't love them back because of the past. Yeah, I can't, I can't really listen to that pastor because of the past. That song leader, I really can't worship because that song leader back then did this, and I really can't worship in church because of the past. You know, I, I would love to have relationship with people in the church, but you know how those, they treated me in the past? You know, what does it do? It damages your relationship not only with God, but with every, everything God's trying to do for you. Get that coat, take that coat off. Today's your day to take the coat off of the past, to take the coat off of things. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to forget when people do you wrong, isn't it? God doesn't intend for you to forget. You understand that, right? He doesn't intend for you to forget. If he did, he'd wipe it out. He'd let it go. He'd be gone. He, he likes for you to remember things not because it's evil, but, but for what God did for you in it. What God did for you. And I still remember a lot of things in my past, but I see where God was in it. The more I go back into my past or remember things, the more I see where God was in it. I should have died here. I sh- this should have happened here. I should have, but God was in it. God was in my life way before I ever knew him. Way before I ever knew him. Years and years and years, things happened to me. Now I look back and I'm like, man, there's, o- there's no way I could have survived that. God was in that. And that's why we don't forget the past, but we forgive the past. You have to forgive the past. So you need to take that coat off of the past. And there are things in, the, in our past life, we need to take those coats off. Because what does that do? When you take the coat of the past off, you, you, what you're doing is you're sending a faith signal to God. You're not just taking off a coat. You're sending a faith signal to God. Hey, I know who you are, and I know what you can do. There are people that did things to me in the past, and I roughly remember the thing that was done because it hurt, but I don't even remember the people. I can't see a face. I can't, you know, because that's not the purpose. The point and purpose is remember how it hurt? Yeah, I delivered you from that. You remember how sick you got? Yeah, I delivered you from that. Do you remember how awful that felt? Yeah, well, I delivered you from that. Take that coat off and let God show you. There's a lot of deliverance in your lives you don't even recognize until you take the coat of the past off and lay it to the side. Have you had some pretty devastating things happen to you in the past? Most of us have had some devastating things in our past. Devastation in itself is a realm of the Spirit. It's a realm of the Spirit. You will find Old Testament like and shadow and figure to New Testament church. And there was devastation in the Old Testament that showed that there's devastation in the New Testament. It's not the same type because in those days, devastation was complete cities destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah were devastated. The earth was devastated when, in the flood. Those devastations, there's devastation that really exists. In this, but you know what you have to do? You have to get in the ark and rise above it. You have to listen to the angels and walk out of the city. You have to let that. Maybe today's your day to take off a coat. Jesus asked one of the craziest questions. He knew the guy was blind. He knew it way ahead of time. He could see the guy's coat. And so what he said, what, what will you have me to do to you? That sounds like a crazy question, doesn't it? Jesus knew exactly what needed to be done. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about Bartimaeus. You've showed me a sign of faith. What do you want me to do in your faith? 
listen to this. Jesus said, what do you want me to do in your faith? How do we know that? Bartimaeus, you know, listen, he'd lived with this long enough, hadn't he? You ever lived with something long enough? I've had enough of this. How long are you going to let this situation keep going? You know, when's it, when is enough enough? When's enough enough? Anybody? It's an easy question. I mean, it's an easy answer. When you've had enough. It's when enough's enough. Bartimaeus told Jesus exactly what he needed. Jesus knew what Bartimaeus needed. But he asked him, what, do you, what would you have me do? What would you have me do in your faith? And this is the fascinating thing. He said, Jesus said, he said, Jesus, I just want my sight. And you could, he, could ask, he could have asked for a, I'd like a monthly check. Every month, send a check to my house, and I'll keep, I don't have to beg anymore. You know, send me a nurse that lives with me every day so that they can prepare meals. He could have answered all kinds of, you know, send me this. That's not what he said. Fix the problem. See, oftentimes in our lives when we go to Jesus, we're not asking him to fix the problem. We're asking him, yeah, let somebody else fix it and take care of me. It's not your responsibility to take care of me. It's his responsibility. It's not your responsibility to take care of me. It's his responsibility. And it's God who takes care of me, not you. Well, pastor, I do this. God bless you. You're doing it for the... You're doing it for the household of God. Anything you do here is not for Pastor Don. If it is, you made a serious mistake. Anything you do here for Bishop Fuller, you made a serious mistake. You have lost blessing that you uncountable that you don't even realize. When you do things for anybody other than God, you've lost a blessing. Well, you know, God, he said we need to help the sick. You're doing that. As, as much as you've helped the sick, you've helped me. As much as you've fed the hungry, you've done it unto me. You understand, right? Everything's done for God under God, not under that person. So, so he says, yeah, just, just heal my eyes. Fix my eyes. And Jesus said, okay, go thy way. I have healed you. Is that what Jesus said? No. Jesus said, go thy way. I've granted your request. Jesus didn't say that, did he? Go thy way. I've opened your eyes. He didn't say that either. He didn't say any of those things. He said, go thy way. What else did he say? Yeah, your faith, Jesus didn't say, listen, go your way. I have made you whole. The simple act of taking off the coat caused him to receive his sight. The simple act of saying, Jesus, I'm throwing you a, a faith shot here. I'm, I'm going to show you that what I mean. That's why he was healed. Thy faith hath made thee whole. One of the things you need to do when you're praying with people, and I'm trying to do that more in the altar now, is praying when you need a healing or you need something, uh, be it done according to your faith. Because nothing I do or say, it, it, I'm just operating in faith. And, and my faith needs to join with your faith. But what's going to happen to you and for you is going to happen to you and for you according to your faith, not mine. My faith is just building faith around you. My faith is just kingdom faith, the domain of the king. Kingdom is domain of the king. We're in the kingdom of God. And so our faith as we pray together is building the, the faith of the domain of the king. But what makes it happen is your faith. Pastor, I don't have enough faith. Take off your coat. That's why you don't have enough faith. You understand why? Pastor, I just, I've been praying and praying and praying, and it's not happening. It's because you had not taken the coat off. If you'll just take the coat off. 
Well, it, it's, it's hard for me to worship. Well, take the coat off and worship. Watch what happens. Well, you know, I can't. Y'all remember Pastor Don around here, don't y'all? Man, I could have played Gunsmoke, Festus, and gotten rich. Sometimes you just got to throw the coat off. Man, I, you know, I threw the coat off pay, praying over here with, some, with you guys for someone else. But I took that coat off because in that prayer, I remember saying, you know what, Lord? You can do this to everybody in this house. And no further than I got right here, when God said, okay, well, now it's your turn. Just like Bartimaeus, my turn. It's, here I am. It's my turn. You've got to throw the coat off and understand it's your faith. Jesus said, your faith made you whole. Let me finish with this. His act of faith brought his healing. He was in the presence of the healer. Get in the presence of the healer if you want a healing. That's what he needed. If, if, you, need, if you need financial help, get in the presence of the one who owns all of it. That, if you need family, get in the presence of the one who has the largest family that exists. If you need help with your family, get, get in His presence. It's when you get in His presence. You know, Jesus was there. The miracle worker was there. The miracle was that Jesus was in His presence, not that He received His sight. That wasn't the miracle. The miracle was that He was in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Often we look at what happens when, in fact, what it is is the miracle. It's a miracle that you and I are in the presence of God here today. That's a miracle. No, no, I'm... I'm a good Christian. God bless you. I'm not. None good but God. The only good thing in me is Him. And so I'm just trying to do what God has said, do this and follow this and obey this and, you know, be this and kind. I'm trying to do those things. But within me, that doesn't exist. And so I just need to be in His presence. And I was praying this morning. I said, God... You just just let us experience your presence today. Let us don't no not feel it, feel it. That's feeling. You know you feel with your hands, right? Sometimes your experience goes way beyond your hands, way beyond your hands. When you activate some faith in the presence of Jesus, things are going to happen. Second Chronicles sixteen and nine, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Let that sink in a second. When you believe Him, when your faith is activated, when you allow your faith, His eyes are already there running to and fro. He's waiting on you to just throw Him a faith signal. God's going through this whole earth right now, waiting on people to throw out a faith signal so that things can happen in their life. That's all He's waiting on. Zechariah 4 and 10, for for who hath despised the day of the small things? For they shall rejoice and see the plummet in the land of Zerubbabel with the, those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. A plummet is a plumb, plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? You're saying plumb blob, plumb, plumb line. A plumb line is the beginning. It's where a building is started. It starts with a, plumb, starts with a point and then you set a plumb line. That starts a whole building. That's the, a plumb line starts a whole miracle. He's running to and fro. Wait, he's waiting on your faith. And when you throw the faith signal out, that's the, plumb, that's the plumb line. Now you have activated. The building starts. Here we go. We're building the building. I've built several buildings out in Weatherford. And it starts with a single spot on the ground with a little round thing about an inch wide. 
It's a point that's set by plumb line. And that whole building is built off of that one single. Listen, throw that coat off today. God is, there's one single plumb line in your life today. God's going to start building. Jesus, I heard you were hungry. I heard the crowd was hungry. My mom packed me a lunch here. And what did that start? That, that started the biggest food line in the world. Thousands of people were fed off of a few loaves and fishes simply because his plumb line was his sack lunch. Sometimes it's the simple things in our life, not the big things. Just a simple. The prophet told the woman, "Go, you know, borrow as many vessels as you can. Go get as many empty ones. Get as many vessels as you can because God's going to fill them up with oil. You know, the size of your, your miracle depends on how many vessels you bring to the table. Here's, something, here's a mistake I made. I'm going to give myself one minute. Makes it 1035. Here's the mistake I made, because I need your prayers again. The mistake I made here was not believing that God would just heal my hip, but He would heal my knees. Because now I've got knee problems, both of them. That was, I should have said, you know what, God? I'm going to bring all the vessels. Here, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. Are you complaining? No, no, no. I'm bringing as many vessels as I can. You got to fill them up. God, fill them up. So a lot of times we come to God, we miss out on some things just simply because we didn't bring enough vessels. She could have gotten every vessel in that town, in that community, in that state, in that country, and he'd have filled every one of them up with oil. And it's the same thing with God in our lives, in our faith. It depends on how much faith you bring to the table, how many vessels. Question today. I'm stopping here, 1035, five minutes over. Do you have a coat you want to take off today? Let's take some time before worship. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.